Welcome to episode 9 of the Branching Out podcast. In this episode, we're going to continue talking about the book of Revelation, and we're going to head to chapters 2 and 3. So in these couple of chapters, um, we find that there is a sort of a message to seven different churches. And this is one of the things that makes Revelation sometimes a little tricky to interpret, is you have this combination of genres. So you have, uh, you know, you have a little bit of a apocalyptic literature, which is talk about the end of the world. Um, you have, you know, the, the first chapter, which is sort of a narrative of Jesus talking to John, and there's, that's a little bit of a different genre. But then you have chapters two and three, which are an epistle or a letter format, so much like most of the books in the New Testament. And so that combination of genres makes, a, makes it a little tricky to interpret. And because of these two chapters here at the beginning of the book, that also indicates to us the rest of the book is sort of a message for these churches as well, which impacts how we interpret it. So we take all that into the text, and we get into chapters 2 and 3, which are these messages for seven churches. And the seven churches listed there are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And these seven churches are sort of in the region of Asia Minor, and they were probably on a mail route. So in the ancient world, the way that mail worked is you'd have, a, you know, sort of a path that the delivery person would go, or you might have a boat that takes a certain course to get mail from one point to another point. And so these seven churches in these cities are located across a mail route, so the letter would kind of go from one church to the next, which means you're kind of reading each other's mail, right? Like Ephesus gets their message, and they read it, but then they get to read everybody else's. But then they also know the other churches are going to get to read what Jesus has to say about them, which makes it uh, maybe a little bit scary, especially when you read what Jesus has to say to these churches. Now, if you were just to, you know, go read these two chapters, Jesus has, um, well, he has some very strong words for these churches. Out of the seven churches, five of them, he has something good and bad to say. Two of the churches, he only compliments. So five of the churches have something pretty rough that they've uh, got to go with. And a couple of them, have probably maybe you could argue, have the worst news or the worst um, sign of sort of condemnation out of all of them. And Jesus also challenges them to repent and says what will happen if they don't repent. And Ephesus starts right off by Jesus saying to them first that you've lost your first love, and if you don't repent, I'm going to take away your lampstand. And what that means, we got to go back to chapter 1, where John sees Jesus standing amongst the lampstands. And the lampstands are an image for these seven churches. So when Jesus tells Ephesus, if you do not change, I'm going to take away your lampstand, that means you're not going to be a church anymore. Like, I'm going to pull my presence out of this, and you will not exist as a church any longer. That's how serious he is about them losing their first love and needing to repent and get back on track. And he says things to these other churches as well. Um, he doesn't say he's going to take away their lampstand, but he has similar words for them that are sort of language of judgment and rejection. Like to Laodicea, he says, I'm going to spit you out of your mouth. Literally, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. So that, that's not a good thing you want Jesus to say of you either. 
So you have these judgments that are going on, and Jesus kind of repeats things to these churches. Five of the churches, he says, I know your deeds, meaning Jesus knows what these churches have been doing. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. And he knows their shortcomings and failures, especially so. And I've often heard um, or read people talk about these seven churches and try to pick which one of the seven they think is most like the American church. And that's an exercise you can do um, after you're done listening to this, or if you want to pause this episode right now, just go pick up the book of Revelation, read chapters two and three, and then you guess which of those seven churches you think is most like the American church, or maybe you have a mix of them. So pick which of those churches you think is most like the American church, and maybe maybe for you it's a mix of them. You kind of go with different parts of them. Um, I would just tell you that for me, I see some similarities in all of them. Um, I see some ways, especially the five churches, that Jesus has a warning and a call to repentance for. I see all of that in the American church to different extents and different degrees. So there's one thing in these chapters that I really want to focus on, and that is something that Jesus repeats um, to all of the churches. And that is, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And because it's repeated over and over, that's a clue to me and to you that that is a phrase we should zoom in on and pay close attention to. So let's talk about that. What does it mean to listen to the Spirit. What does it mean for these seven churches to listen to the Spirit? Well, let's start with what that means for you individually, because a church is made up of a group of people. And so each of us individually have to listen to the Spirit, but also the whole church body has to listen to the Spirit. And I think one error we make when listening to the Spirit is we mistake our own voice for the voice of the Spirit. You know, sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit um, is just an indication that we're really excited about something or just really care about something, and he can do that. God can lay things on our heart that we are passionate for and care for, but sometimes we just have a really good idea, and we have a strong opinion, and we just sort of think, well, the Holy Spirit must be behind that because I feel so strongly about it, and we mistake in our own voice for what the Spirit might be saying. So one of the keys to help us discern whether we're listening to our own voice or the Spirit's voice is to listen to God in community. That's the important part of listening within the sitting of a church, is when you yourself are on your own thinking about something and processing something, it's easy in your own kind of world and in your own head to convince yourself, oh, this must be how how God is moving because I feel really good about this. But when you start to talk with other people, when you talk within the community of believers, what you think the Spirit is saying may not sound like the Spirit to everybody else. Because, you know, you talk with your own voice, uh, you think with your own voice. I don't know, like when you think in your head, maybe, I don't know, maybe you hear your voice, basically. So sometimes it's hard for us to notice the difference between what we are thinking or what we are saying and what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. But other people in the room, it's a lot easier for them to hear your voice as opposed to the Spirit's voice. So it's good to get in a room with other Christians and share what you're thinking. Share what God seems to be laying on your heart. The sorts of things you feel passionate about. 
and see if other people in the room who follow Jesus affirm that with you. Do they recognize that you seem to have the gifts that line up with what the Spirit is saying? Do they affirm the passion or the need for what you're saying? Do they, do they see where Scripture lines up with what you're saying? Or do they sense reason to pause? Or do they know something about your community that you're not thinking about? Or maybe they have a perspective that you don't have, and they can caution you or say, hey, let, let's slow down a little bit. Let's pause. Let's keep praying about this. You see, when we just try to listen to the Holy Spirit in isolation, we can fail to hear what the Holy Spirit's really saying. We need other Christians to help us hear the Holy Spirit's voice. One example of this is in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, verse 28 specifically. It says, It seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Now, in context, what's going on there, Acts chapter 15 is this major decision that the first Christians are making. The early church um, has to make a pretty major decision on if they're going to change how they operate to reach new people. And it's a pretty hefty decision. They're not really sure what to do at first. And so they have a conversation. They actually have a church council and many church leaders get together and they share what they've seen the Holy Spirit do. They, they talk about the scriptures together. They talk about what Jesus taught and they pray with the Holy Spirit. And then when they make their decision, they inform all the other churches. They say, well, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do that. And of course, that's, that's all the little bit we get, but I think that gives us a really great insight into how they process and how they listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And they came out of that, that church council, those discussions, um, those conversations with the recognition that this decision that we've made seems good, not just to us, not just to us in the room or not just to one person who just said, well, that's how it's going to be and everybody else has to deal with it. They say, no, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. So I think when we listen to the Spirit, we have to do it as a church. We have to do it in a community setting with other Christians. If we just do it by ourselves, we can get a little sidetracked, or we can mistake in the Spirit's voice for our own. So it's really important that we listen all together. But it's also important to listen to the Spirit, because in these two chapters of Revelation, Jesus is warning five of these churches that they need to repent or they won't be a church anymore. And so listening allows a church to change and to repent and to adjust. So it's really important for us individually, because we're, if you're a member of a church, you individually need to be listening to the Spirit in your own life, but then also bringing that into the church community, into a small group, into a Bible study, into a Sunday school class, whatever it is, and for the whole church to listen together. Because if you don't listen together, you can get a little mistaken on maybe what the Spirit's trying to do, or you can miss something. But when a church is listening to the voice of the Spirit, then repentance can come. And that's so key, because five of these churches have to repent. Several of the churches, Jesus sees good things that they're doing, but even though they're doing some good things, he says, hey, there's also some things in you that are just not good, that are not part of my mission, part of my character, part of my purpose, and you've got to repent. And so a church has to listen to find how to repent. And honestly, sometimes what happens is a church, they just get a little off track. Sometimes this is actually a very slow process. It's just a little decision here and there, 
And over years, the church gets a little more and a little more and a little more off track. In the business world, um, this is sometimes referred to as mission drift, where you have a company or an organization and they have, you know, they have a mission statement, they have a purpose. But over, over time, over the years, little decisions are made that get, get off the mission. And, you know, it's not that any one of those decisions is a bad idea. It was just somebody thought, hey, we should do this. And slowly and slowly, that company or that organization drifted further and further from their mission until now they don't look anything like they used to. And that can sometimes happen in a church. It's not just one decision. It's the accumulation of hundreds and thousands of little decisions that makes the church not much of a church anymore. So it's important to listen because Jesus is amongst the lampstands. He's amongst the churches, including your church. So that creates some, some fear, but it also creates some encouragement. It creates fear because that means Jesus knows just how bad your church is. And look, every church isn't perfect. Every church has things that they wish they were better at or things they do that they really shouldn't or sins they've committed kind of as a group that they may or may not be aware of. I mean, no church is perfect because it's made up of imperfect people. And every church does their best to be like Jesus and love like Jesus, but sin happens and mistakes happen. However, even though every church tries to do their best, some churches just get really off track. And when a church is listening to the voice of the Spirit, it becomes, I think, clear what needs to change. And then the priority is actually, we need to get back on track. Because repentance is always a priority. So the priority isn't, hey, let's just, let's just keep working really hard. Let's just sort of shove this under the rug or, you know, it'll work itself out. No, the, the priority for that church and their leaders should be, hey, we need to fix this. We need to repent of this. We need to admit that there was a sin committed. There were mistakes made instead of trying to, you know, make excuses for them or explain them away. Just be honest. Hey, we did X and Y and Z, and we shouldn't have done that, and we realize that now. And so here's what we're going to do to get right with God. Here's how we're going to repent. Here's how we're going to change some things, the way we talk, the way we act, so that we'll be more in line with the character of Jesus and what he wants us to do. And that's what five of these churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 need to do, or they won't be there anymore. And so Jesus is serious enough about these issues that he's going to remove these churches if they don't change. So it's, it's scary because whew, Jesus knows what we've done, and there could be a serious consequence for that. On the same side, it's encouraging because Jesus knows what you've done. He's not absent-minded, and plus he's extending grace to these churches, which means even if your church is not perfect, Jesus extends grace to your church. And he says, hey, repent, get back on track with me, and let's keep going. And he provides time and an opportunity for these churches to actually repent. He doesn't just come to, you know, Ephesus and say, well, I've noticed you've given up your first love, so therefore, see ya, you're not a church anymore. He, he actually gives them time. He identifies what their sin is and says, you need to get back on track or else. And the church has an opportunity to do that. So, listen individually yourself to the voice of the Spirit, but also listen in the community that you're a part of as a church. And this is why it's so important to just to be part of a church, to commit to a church, and not just sort of hop around from church to church 
and to consistently show up and be a part of that church, because that's one way that we can all listen together. And by listening together, we hear what the Spirit says, and based on what the Spirit says, we can continue on. We can keep working. So on one hand, it's, it's scary because Jesus knows what you've done. And on the other hand, it's good because Jesus has known what you've done because he's paying attention. But that's also good because he knows the good things you've done. Even if your church isn't perfect, he knows the bad you've done, but he also knows the good you've done. And to some of these churches, he tells them things that he's proud of them for. He's proud of how they've stood up against false teachers or how they've endured persecution or how they've been faithful to him, whatever it looks like. And so even for you, what you have done that is still good, he sees that. And he sees the good that's still being done even in your church, even amidst maybe some not so good things. That's encouraging. And so a lesson, a very important lesson from Revelation chapters 2 and 3 is listen to the voice of the Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Spirit yourself individually, but also join in with your church community in listening, listening to the voice of the Spirit together so that your church, wherever you may be at, can best serve and look like Jesus in the world.